messes up, but all right. Okay. Hello, hello. What is up, y'all? Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another episode of Positively Cynical. Uh, I'm, we're having a very, very uh, wonderful, exciting, and, and informative and special episode today. Um, before we get to that and before I introduce a wonderful guest that's joining me here today, the very, very quick disclaimers as always, uh, this is a remote, remote recording. So if there are any sound issues, artifacts, dogs barking, or anything else that you hear in the background, please, uh, please excuse that. And if you feel like letting us know, uh, you can go into any of our social media platforms, uh, and send us a message. And by the way, the, the best way to find us and to support one of your favorite podcasts is to like, rate, share, and subscribe to Positively cynical um you can find us at positively cynical podcast and all your favorite social media platforms and you can hashtag positively cynical as well as uh check us out on all of your favorite podcast platforms as well um anyways um getting right into it i'm really really excited uh to have a, a important conversation uh today with a guest of mine um say hello this is uh Ambrialis or Hi. lily Hello. Thank you for Hello. thank you so much for for joining me today with this conversation. Um, and Ambrialis Lily is going to join me today in a conversation regarding uh, the situation going on in Ukraine, the the war going on in Ukraine that started on February twenty fourth, twenty twenty two, after well many many years of various types of aggression and many many months of of build up. Um, but you know we're going to try to talk about you know, everything in terms of the conflict as much as we can. But um, the main reason that Amrealis or Lilius is joining me on the on the podcast today is uh, so you're going to be volunteering in Ukraine and traveling to Ukraine in, in just a little bit. To um, Poland, not to Ukraine, to, to Poland. Excuse me, to Poland. <laughs> uh, to Poland, uh, my apologies, in order to help out with the situation in Ukraine. So... Uh, let's start, Lily. Maybe you could tell us uh, a little bit about yourself personally. I know um, you did mention that you're a French actor and performer. You've been living in New York City since 2015. You have two children, Isis and Tylo, um, and you know you're a, a translator and a cake decorator. Besides being an actor and performer by trade, but maybe if you could expand upon that or tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe personally in regards with. Uh, Ukraine and this situation going on. Well, yes, I, I'm. So I'm, my name is Ambrialis. I'm French. Uh, I, I'm. I moved to the U.S. So in 2015, like you said, I've um, been very happy living here. Um, but yes, the the situation in Ukraine is, well, is very personal, sort of, because um, I'm European, mm -hmm. and uh, we have. Well, even if Ukraine is not part of Europe, it's super close and it feels like Europe anyway. So um, it's, and also, well, the, we have special, I have special ties sort of with, uh, with the Ukrainian people because um, when I was a child, my parents um, hosted uh, Ukrainian students uh, after Chernobyl. Um, and I just dated myself, great. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and they also organized a benefit with a class from from Chernobyl who who came and 
performed to raise funds to help with the people back home that were sick from the catastrophe. Mm-hmm. So I do have some some links with uh, with Ukraine. I have some friends there. I have friends here that have family over there. So it's it's very sensitive. And at any rate, it's a conflict, and it, it it's always gut wrenching to see what's going on uh, in conflicts and in wars and. So I, I wanted to I wanted to get involved, and so I decided to go. Um, okay, and and so what what uh, specific goals do you have, if any, and what are you going to do in Poland in volunteering and helping out some of the Ukrainian refugees, Ukrainian people in this situation? Well, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to go to the border uh, in a city that I still cannot pronounce. I need to to I need to practice. I'm not going to throw myself under the bus, and I'm just going to use a different one. It's a city close to Medica, so that's where I'm going to be probably split into the two places. Um, and I'm going to be helping as much as I can. I don't speak Ukrainian or Polish, so I'm, my help is going to be limited. Uh, but I can. I will be cooking. I will be cleaning. I will be distributing food to refu- refugees, processing their paper- paperwork if I need. If I need to, I'm going to be crash learning the Syriac alphabet in the on the plane. Um, I will be going on errands to get food and to get. Uh, I'm the crowdfunding that I'm that I'm doing is for that for that purpose. It's for it's to be able to buy uh, food, clothing, me- medical medical stuff, anything I need, anything that is needed. And the needs change all every day, all mm-hmm. the time. So I don't really know exactly what I will be buying with that, with those donations, but mm-hmm. um, it will be all for, to help. It will be food and food and everything that is needed. Okay. And also transportation, trying to help with safely transporting refugees to their final destinations. A lot of who will be, I suppose, for the for the moment, resettling in, in Poland generally is what you're oh. going to be. Assisting with people already, so it's it's uh, they're they've been asking for help for from other European countries because it's it's crazy. Um, the numbers are astounding. It's uh, over three million that yeah. have crossed the border, not the Polish border. The Polish border is like th- uh, two thirds of that, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So it's like two two millions that have crossed through Poland. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are quite overwhelmed um, and. Most, a lot of them are are still in Poland, but uh, a lot are going further than that. We have a lot in France already. Um, my mother sent me a picture of, of um, um, well, I don't know what it's called in, in English, but like a special uh, min, municipal place in a uh, municipal space. Um, like a square or, or something like that. Like a like a, not a square. It's inside. It's a. It's like it's not the. Um, Anyway, it's a big, big space that's owned by the by the city, and so they've set up all the beds and everything. My mother sent me a picture of that, and so I was very happy to see that my hometown is uh, helping too. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we have a lot of people in France and in other countries in Europe, and in dealing with the situation. So, uh, you had mentioned that you have your parents had helped, so or excuse me, had hosted some Ukrainian citizens in terms of, you know, sort of our outreach and things of that nature. Um, what other experience have you had in the past in terms of volunteering? Or is this the first time maybe in recent memory that you've 
felt compelled to help out with this situation because of the gravity of it, because of, you said, the millions and millions of people that are crossing over the various borders into Europe in order to escape this this war, this situation? Well, it is, not, it is, it is my first actual um, action that I'm taking, but I mm-hmm. have been compelled to do stuff before. It's just, it was either difficult or... I um I don't know or not necessarily this big uh, like I didn't go to the I mean I'm I'm in the US so it's difficult yeah. but I I wanted to go to to Haiti also when when there was the, the natural disaster there mm-hmm. but it was it's I was much younger so it was, it's <laughs> a huge sacrifice yeah yeah it's a huge sacrifice but this time I'm I'm like not budging I don't have the support of my family but I'm not budging <laughs> you don't have the support of your family so like that was a that's a difficult was a difficult conversation I believe um you mentioned that uh if I may say so you're not letting the the children know where you're going until you return from. Yes. Well, I have. Um, I'm not being fair. I have the support of my of my partner, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I do not have the support of my uh, par- my mother and my siblings. I think I don't know. They haven't said anything, but I'm assuming it's not <laughs> it's not positive. But it's it's coming from fear. Of, obviously, they're afraid. Yeah, I I would understand that. I understand that. So, I mean, I think that one of the other things that you mentioned when we had a little bit of a conversation about this is that you have, besides having ties to Ukraine, you you remember a lot of uh, your grandparents in recalling some of the history around that region in World War II and that some of that was influential in your decision and and in helping out in this particular situation. Maybe can you tell me a little bit about um, some of those stories that your grandparents told you about World War II, maybe in relation um, to the current situation? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it was not in the Ukrainian region. It was mm-hmm. in France. It just World War Two was um, was um, they were yeah they were children when when it happened. But mm-hmm. they, my grandfather is always tearing up re- recalling a soldier, a German soldier, with whom with who he had sort of become friend mm-hmm. and he never heard from him after when they left but it's uh yeah he, he he was always talking about this person who had been sort of part of the family and weirdly it's like it was the invader but <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, he, he was a child so he didn't really understand that and my grandmother talking about having to cross with her mother she went to a, she went to a movie and she was an occupied um, region in the occupied region of, of France, and she had to flee under bullets after watching a movie because they were right, being targeted, and they had, they had to run, like covering and um, to be protected by the bridge they were crossing. It was just so they had some stories like that, and they they were told to me when I was a child. They're still there in me. I don't have all the details clear right now, but they've they've stayed with me, even though they told those stories when I was. Very young. So you see these stories on television of, of you know women and children rushing over the borders, especially because there are laws that in in Ukraine currently where uh, able-bodied men, I think of eighteen to fifty-nine years old, are, are required to stay in the country. I guess those those images of these survivors and these people crossing the border and these people running from the similar conflicts that that your grandparents told you about in occupied France. Uh, is is something that really, really kind of sparked this a little bit more for you, I would imagine? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Those images that we're seeing are catastrophic, are terrible. So, Yeah, yeah there's, it's a terrible situation to see so many people like rushing away from these conflicts and, and having 
such a, a you know a, a terrible sort of sort of a terrible image on television of children especially yeah. kind of discussing the conflict and it's really 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 it's definitely made me like fall apart myself sometimes and and try to think of what it is that I can do um I have a lot of friends who who have some Ukrainian ancestry some Russian ancestry mm-hmm. and so you know they're really obviously very very speaking out in a way that that I've never heard before against the actions of Russia against the actions of Putin in the situation um and it's it's very very interesting when you when you think about like sort of the region and how how sort of this Putin claim came about that a Ukraine is part of Russia when historically Russia kind of sprang from that particular region um for for those of you that don't know much about the history of Ukraine. Um, the modern history of Russia kind of sprang up in the Kiev, Kiev Rus region in, in Kiev. Kiev, or, no, Kiev. In Kiev, Kiev excuse is, me. No, no, no. Kiev is the, is stemming from the Russian um, transcription of the name. So they are very adamant. Do not call right. it Kiev right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So I do apologize. And that's uh, Kiev, 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 Kiev. 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 Uh, I do apologize for the mispronunciation of that, and I appreciate Lily for making sure that I'm on track in regards to that. Um, but as even I understand that there's there's a distinction because the current leaders of both countries are essentially a different translation of the same name. When you talk about Vladimir Putin and you talk about Volodymyr uh, Zelensky, who is the current leader of Ukraine in this in this particular conflict. Um, I wonder if maybe you could tell me a little bit about your perception of Zelensky in this conflict. I know that's a bit of a broad a broad take, but um, you know, what do you sort of see him as? Do you see him as somebody that's a trustworthy leader? That's a, that's a steadfast leader in this situation. Um, is he doing the right thing for the Ukrainian people in your in your opinion currently? Personally, I'm very impressed by this person. He mm-hmm. he was an actor before being president. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's 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 fascinating to see him become the person he's now leading and being on top of it. And even though he's target number one in the country, he's been uh, a lot of mercenaries have been uh, deployed to to Kiev so that uh, to to kill him. So it's 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 in, incredible for him to still be there, still going out, taking risks and just to, to talk to his population and the rest of the world. Cause he's always talking to somebody today, just today, he was talking to, um, the Israeli, um, prime minister. I, think. I believe you're correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I heard him just before I listened to it just before, um, coming on to this. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And so it's, it's fascinating to see that. And it's also, uh, heartbreaking because He's, I mean, he, it shouldn't be happening. <laughs> of course, it shouldn't be happening. No, definitely he's great. I, I really, I really admire him right now. I'm follow, I'm following him. I'm listening whenever he's talking, especially with my president, uh, French president. But with everybody, it's very interesting. And it's very interesting to, I don't know if you've listened to him uh, talk to different people mm-hmm. and adapt his, his discourse to, to what the what the country is going to respond right. to for example when he spoke to biden a few days ago he mm-hmm. mentioned the i had a dream um uh speech um 
by uh, Dr. King. Yeah. And then when he spoke to when he spoke to 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 the French president, he was talking about well the World War Two. When he when he when he's talking when he was talking to today to the Israeli um, prime minister, he was talking about uh, the how how Putin is how Russia is bombing. Uh, cemeteries where a lot of Jews are, and he was talking about how, how a lot of Jews are coming into this his country in Oman, I think, to visit a grave, a specific grave. Like there is a an important place for Jews there, mm-hmm. and so he mentioned that it's very interesting to see how he adapts his his discourse to the person he's talking to. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a long history in the region also of of uh, Jewish people living mm-hmm. there and being there as well. But yeah, he's he's definitely very, very interesting and, and impressive in how he communicates with people because I'm not sure if this was his most recent communication with um, with the United Nations. He was doing a lot of it over Zoom, just like anybody else can at this point. And he said something about how how Putin Putin needs to be stopped and, and this is something that can lead to a World War III level conflict, which is a worry that a lot of people have at this point. And, you know, a lot of that I think is some necessary bluster in order to get the world to care about this situation, which is very, 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 it's, it's sort of a chaotic situation. It is at sort of a tipping point right now in, in terms of how much the rest of the world gets involved in this current situation. There's always a fine line because Russia is a nuclear armed state. Putin has been making some threats about using nuclear weapons if his hand is forced recently. Um, so, in, yeah, in terms of Zelensky also, I think the, the very interesting thing is almost the situation is, is, it's almost like a satire when you think about the history of how he got there because he was an actor, as you said. And he's relatively, one of the shows that he's relatively well known for is, I think he's a school teacher or something along those lines that ends up running on a, a, a platform of anti-corruption and ends up becoming the president of Ukraine. And in real life, essentially what he did was run on an anti-corruption platform and become the president of Ukraine. Um, but I mean, I agree with you. He's He's been very impressive in how he's been handling the situation so far. And it's always very, very, you know, it's wonderful to see in this situation where someone like him has had been offered to flee the country, yes. had been offered to leave his people behind in this conflict. I think he even made a joke about it. Like, I don't need a ride. I need tanks. Bullets, yeah. Or I need bullets. Um, so he's been very, very, very impressive so far. And I definitely agree with you on that front. Um, what do you think other countries should do on kind of, kind of the note that I had recently? Like, how involved... would you think personally other countries should get in this situation? Is it about sending monetary aid? Is it about sending military aid? Is it about something else in your opinion right now in terms of what countries can do in order to get involved and help in this situation? Oh, that's a very tough question, especially for somebody who's coming from Europe. (laughs) But it's, um, it's very hard to answer that because, yeah, like you said, it's a very fine line. And to be honest, I don't really understand the difference between sending weapons, whether they are defensive or or, or not, mm-hmm. to to a country that is currently um, at war with Russia. I don't and I don't understand how sending weapons, whether they're defensive or not, is not as much. Um, 
participating, participating and be co-belligerent. I don't know if that's um like the fanning the flames, co- being co-belligerent or fanning the yeah, flames of the conflict, right? Yeah, co-belligerence, yeah. So I, I don't see the difference. I don't see how this sending weapons is not being co-belligerent, but sending planes would be, or, you know, closing the sky would be. So mm-hmm. I don't really, I don't really get the, I don't know, this is, this is very specific and very hard to answer. No, I understand. It's a very, very tough question in terms yeah. of what should be done in, in such a sensitive situation. There's just been so, so much talk of exactly like what is enough. And so in my eyes, it's, you, you can do so much in terms of helping out the people of Ukraine in terms of getting them the aid that they need, getting them food, getting them transportation. Um, but this is sort of a conflict that's very, very rooted in Putin's personal ambition and Putin's yes. personal reading of the history of the region. Again, his idea that Ukraine has, is and always has been a part of Russia when there is a very separate history there and there's more of a history of the leaders of Russia over over time from Catherine the Great all the way to Stalin sort of get Rus- like russifying the region by moving more and more Russian citizens in um the thing that i think is very very interesting as well is that and i wonder what what your take on this is is that there definitely is it's not a, a total split but there is some sort of discourse we'll call it in terms of how much the ukraine should have in terms of ties to russia because in in eastern ukraine a lot of eastern ukraine and in in some of crimea i believe a lot of the people there are either uh, native russian or russian speaking um and a lot of that is a you know of course a result of the the past russification that i talked about but um there is sort of a split in attitudes um, I guess this is kind of like looking at it from an imperialist sense, but like, what is your kind of idea about that attitude where there's certain regions that may want to be a part of Russia and certain regions of Ukraine that still value their autonomy as a democratic nation? I mean, well, I, I think the history of uh, between between Russia and, and Ukraine is so it's it's so ancient mm-hmm. that it's hard to it's hard uh, it's hard, but I think. Ukraine is a country. They Russia has been trying to deny that mm-hmm. for for such a long time. It's time it's time for Ukraine to be to, to just remain a country, period, and be independent. Um, we have there's that kind of problem that that kind of, of discourse is happening everywhere in a lot of in a lot of countries. Mm-hmm. The, the same thing is happening in Spain with Catalonia. The same thing is happening in France also mm-hmm. with some some parts of. And they're still part of, of um, they're still part of the country. I, I don't know. They, they can have like a special special status maybe, but mm-hmm. um, well, that's just my point of view. It's it's <laughs> I'm not Ukrainian, so it's hard to to, to really to really have a valid opinion on that but it's i think ukraine is a country and we've we've heard too too much about how they how some parts want to be russian or Mm -hmm. i don't know it's a country (laughs) it's all very complicated uh what do you think when you look at some of the other images in the news maybe in terms of you know you're looking at some very very negative images most of the time but i think that's something that's been very inspirational has been the role of women in ukraine uh, both in society and in how they've been handling the conflict recently. What what have you seen uh, that has stood out to you, perhaps, in terms of how women have responded to this conflict? I'll give you one example in my eyes is you've certainly heard of and seen images of young Russian men 
going off to war and and going into Ukraine and sort of laying down their arms, so to speak, because they see a Russian woman that could be their grandmother, that looks like their grandmother. Uh, what have you seen that's kind of stood out to you in terms of the role of women in this particular situation? Well, I'm not surprised. That's not. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Women are strong. There's no reason for 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 women to be to be left out of, of wanting to defend the country. I mean, it's um, it's it's of course people are going to notice, but it's uh, I don't know. I think it's it's sort of normal. There's no reason why it would be only men. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no, I'm 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 very well. I'm very happy. <laughs> I'm very happy that we are be uh, they are being. Um, seen as uh, heroic, it's great, but there's to me, it's normal. Uh, it's it seems that it, at the very least, there's more of a focus on that focus on that than there normally would be in situations like this and in conflicts like this. And I know that it's definitely something, and I agree with you, that's very very normal in in throughout history in any conflict. Um, there's been a huge role played by women in those conflicts. You talk about World War II, and uh, mm-hmm. this was before women were really allowed to jump into the workplace. Uh, they basically, and had for many, many decades and, and centuries before, ran the entire country while the men were off to war. Uh, but I just find it very interesting how sort of that, those familial ties are also something that's very, very highlighted because of, again, that complicated history in the region where you have many, many people in Ukraine who have Russian descent and family that are just across the border in Ukraine and vice versa. It's It's almost akin to maybe something like your grandparents said that may, may have seen and, and experienced uh, in terms of Germany being split up uh, in the Second World War. And it's almost a very, very similar situation, uh, which is why I guess it's so sensitive and it's so hard for either of us to kind of pontificate or say what the best thing to do for this particular conflict in this particular uh, region is. Um, what, do you, what do you think we should be doing more of as individuals? Is it down to trying to volunteer and send money? Is it more about bringing visibility to the situation and to the conflict? Uh, what should more more of us as individuals do as Americans and perhaps as French citizens and citizens everywhere in, in order to help out in this situation? Well, I think, I think visibility, yeah. I think it's... Um... If they need help, I don't. I I can't. I can't imagine how we could help um, in the military uh, aspect of things. Mm-hmm. But um, but in terms of humanitarian, there's so much that we can do. There's so much that uh, that one person can do. I mean, there's so many. I've been in contact with a lot of people on the ground already that I'm going to meet for the first time on 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 not. Saturday since I'm leaving Friday and arriving Saturday mm-hmm. um, and they're saying that that's they're saying that that um, the people here there are working tirelessly there could be more people there mm-hmm. um, not necessarily Americans flying over there it's it's kind of crazy I, I'm it's kind of crazy to be going th- this far but there are people closer to that and there are like so many so many um, small community based or or um, things that are being done i've i've just got into uh, contact with in contact sorry with a, a french a french guy who's organizing a sword solidarity convoys i think he calls that mm-hmm. uh he's he's bringing supplies like humanitarian supplies uh into poland and 
some of them are crossing into Ukraine to go help there. Mm-hmm. And then on the way back, they bring, they bring people back to France and to, mm-hmm. to other countries. So it's, um, but that's a community-based thing. It's just one guy who decided, let's just do that. Let's rent some, some trucks and do that. And uh, there's no, not much organization, uh, proper organization on the border. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of donations, donating, but it's hard to know where to, to donate. And that is why I'm carrying that uh, crowdfunding. I'm, um, I'm thinking, Molly quali- said one-on-one uh, aspect of, of my action mm-hmm. is that because I'm, what I'm trying to do is, is I'm trying to get donors uh, confident that the money that they're giving is mm-hmm. going to have an actual impact on the ground to the, on the people that are that need it instead of going to donate somewhere and you never really know if it's going to be used for that or for something else. Okay. You know what I mean? What mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. I mean, you have the, the, the GoFundMe link, uh, humanitarian help for Ukrainian refugees. Um, and is that part of what maybe even influence your decision a little bit to go over there personally? Uh, is there like maybe some connection between like the money's going to go to, to this particular chatter charity and I'm going to be there in order to see the impact on the ground. Is there like maybe some connection there as well or. Yeah, that was, that was a point. Cause I know a lot of people who want to donate, but they don't know where to, to donate. So I'm like, ah, what if we have somebody on the ground who's saying this is what I can because I'm going to be I'm going to be document documented. Sorry for the accent again. Mm-hmm. I'm French. Um, I'm going to be documenting all all of what I do, all of what I buy, and the people I meet there, and the people what they do. So I'm going to be documenting documenting so that people know exactly what's going what's being done with their money. It's not going to a charity right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know yet what I'm going to do when I leave. Um, but I was thinking probably link, uh, just transferring, transferring whatever is left or still coming to somebody else on the ground who's doing exactly the same thing as I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know. There are a lot of people who do that exactly. I know, know a guy from New Jersey who's mm-hmm. doing exactly the same. He had a GoFundMe or something like that, similar, similar. And he kept doc- documenting so that people would know. Have you had a conversation with him about like how he handled it and, and what he did in his particular situation? Yeah. Uh, and did he give you any advice or any other information or perhaps something that you could impart for somebody who wants to do something similar to yourself, maybe from him or from you? Yes, absolutely. Um, well, I've been thinking of doing that for a while and it was daunting because I did a lot of research and mm-hmm. I couldn't get any information on which organizations could take me on, kind of, you know, which organization I could join. So I spent countless hours uh, searching for people and for, but I, I focused too much on the organizations. And that's, and it's only when I started to think of people that I really, things started moving along. And from, I mean, the people, the first person I met got me in touch with a lot of other people in that. From one person to the next, I found this New Jersey guy, and I uh, and I had a conversation. Yes, he was like he was telling me that he went before, and now he's coming back on the twenty fourth. So I'm going to meet him there. Um, but he 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 did all of the work that I mentioned to you, and he he said to be prepared mentally because it's going to be exhausting. It's going to be emotionally difficult. But I'm also going because I'm hoping to find 
to see the beautiful part of it in the sense of humanitarian and how, how, how people are able to set their personal life aside for, for a hot minute and help and, and come together to do something to help another, somebody they don't know. Mm-hmm. So that's also what I want to capture and bring back with me because it's uh, with all the horrific thing that we see, it's also interesting to see how, how much is being done and how much people can help. That's, that's, that's what I'm trying to, to come back with, with showing how individuals can help also. And that's why I, it seems uh, you're making somewhat of a commitment to post a lot of it, yes. let people know what's going on on your social media. Uh, and by the way, your social media is uh, Ambreales, which is A-M-B-R-E-A-L-Y-S. Uh, just about everywhere is is where you're going to be fi- able to find those updates and find more of what Ambreales is doing uh, in terms of helping out in this particular situation in this particular conflict. Um, I guess in, in closing, I wanted to maybe ask, what would be your hopes for this future situation, both for Russia and for Ukraine, um, in terms of ending the conflict and in terms of what they both need to do in order to lay down this sort of situation going forward? Oh, goodness. I feel so small answering that question. <laughs> um well, I hope it resolves soon. I hope they find a way to, to to talk and come together to find a solution. But I don't know. Putin is seems to have like these crazy expectations that I don't that seem so unrealistic to me. Mm-hmm. It's like why would you ask another country to do your bidding? It's just it seems so. It's so, so hard to wrap your head around around something like that. So it, I I don't know how honestly I'm. It's almost a medieval thought process that's going on in his head where he feels like he can just expand anywhere that he wants and take back any bit of territory that yes. at some point in his, in the history of Russia existed. I mean, he just wants to build, it seems, like the Russian Empire from scratch. That is what is, it seems a lot like. And that's what I was telling you when we were discussing that I'm mostly listening to French news. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what's being discussed. It's it's um, This president has been... Um, has been uh, all alone for two years, completely paranoid about COVID. He was mm-hmm. in his bunker all alone, not seeing anybody pretty much. Um, they were anal- analyzing his, his agenda and seeing that he was not meeting with anybody pretty much. And so he, he spent all that time thinking that over and just creating this whole thing in his mind and then has launched it. So uh, I don't, I don't know how it, it can I don't know, but yeah, the the um, Soviet empires. It seems like that's what he's trying to do, which is scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of those countries are like closer. I mean, it it extends in Europe to a lot of parts. So it would require him to essentially re-annex countries that have already made themselves a part of the European Union, a part yeah. of the European culture in general, and uh, that have, are democratic countries now that he. It, like the Ukraine that he merely decided he wants to bring back into the fold in order to rebuild uh, the Russian empire. And it's true. Like you said, maybe like that's one of the scary things about a situation like COVID not to kind of turn this conversation on its head, but just that stewing in his room alone, so to speak for two years and not seeing anyone and sort of letting these thoughts that he's always had as an individual, he's always had like this sort of reverence for the, the Russian empire. And mm-hmm. he's always had this sort of, 
I think he he said that uh, the collapse of the Soviet Union was the greatest disaster of the 20th century. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I, I don't I don't think that was any any kind of uh, sort of exaggeration on his part. I think that he really feels that way. So it it's kind of I guess if I can say what my hope is, it's always like you said, it comes down to individuals, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, I think that they're are a lot of younger people. There are a lot of people in Russia that are, are getting fed up with this sort of stance um, by Putin. You know, there even the oligarchs, the millionaires, the billionaires who have always sort of looked his way and, and or looked the other way and whatever he's done are starting to turn their attitudes. And so it's always about the personal, like sort of the, the personal and not all of them, of course. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, um, I don't have a lot of hopes in the oligarchs uh, because they depend on him. So I don't really see them go. He does not listen to anybody. So I don't see them. I don't really see them go in and tell him, hey, <laughs> you need to stop this. I don't think so. <laughs> maybe, but that's just my take on it. Maybe on a policy level, and I'll, I'll leave it here. Um, the only thing that I've really heard, other than things that are involved in conflict, like you said, you don't you know, really see the distinction between sending military aid and having no flying zones and all of that. But one of the, um, one of the things that, I've kind of heard as more of, I don't know if I could call this a solution here, but one of the the hopes that I could say that I have in this conflict, I'm kind of losing my thought process on this one. You know, maybe maybe I'll just leave it to the to the people themselves to decide what needs to be done here. Um, yeah, I think it's too complicated, like you said. It's too it's too hard for us to say what needs to happen here. Um, but you know, I will, I will put it this, I will put this out there actually, because the policy that I will leave it on is go after Putin personally. Um, there's a lot of mansions and other property that he has in, in a lot of countries worldwide that are having all these sanctions against the Russian people that are probably only going to hurt them and not going to hurt him. Let's go after him personally. I will put it out there. I think that yeah. nation should do that. You know, that has been done it's his of. assets. Mm-hmm. That has been done sort of, no? Uh, I think it has been, but I think I think that there's a lot of places where that I mean he they're not really seizing some of his assets, and indeed there's a lot of places where it's really unclear whether he owns that property or not because some some speculation is that he's actually the richest person on earth and he just hides a lot of that. That's a whole other conversation, though. Oh, it's so frustrating. It is very frustrating. I and I you know I want to thank you for going through a little bit of that frustration with me and in, in this conversation today, Amadeus. Um, and I really want to thank you for taking the time to to sit with me for a little bit. And you before you go me. off, you know, to this to this horrible situation, um, and and you know, just thank you for for speaking with everybody today about what it is that you like to do in this particular situation to help the you know, the people of Ukraine in, in this unfortunate conflict. Um, everyone, I just want to remind everyone that the the best way to find some more information if you want to see what Ambrelas is going to be doing uh, in Poland. Uh, in order to help out in this situation is to follow her social media platforms. Um, you can find her at Amrealis, that's A-M-B-R-E-A-L-Y-S, A-M-B-R-E-A-L-Y-S. Uh, and you can find it on Facebook, TikTok, uh, Instagram, various other social media platforms, the general social media platforms where you can find a lot of this information. Uh, I will be posting a link for the GoFundMe as well. And I do encourage all of you to help Amrealis in this in this endeavor and, and 
helping out the people of Ukraine. Uh, the link is going to be at GoFundMe. It's Fundraiser uh, by Amreales. It is humanitarian help for Ukrainian refugees. And again, that link will be posted. Please, everyone, listeners, do what you can in order to help out uh, in this particular situation. Thank you once more again for joining me today, Amreales. I really appreciate it. Um, let's close it out here. Everyone, for those of you who want to find out more information, again, all the links will be posted. Thanks for joining us again on uh, this episode of Positively Cynical. Um, as usual, you can find us on all your favorite social media platforms at Positively Cynical Podcast or hashtag at Positively Cynical Podcast. And thank you very much again for, for joining me. And uh, thank you. Have a wonderful afternoon and a wonderful day. I'm Alice.